Welcome to How Not to DM. I'm your host, Derek. Thanks for joining me on my quest to interview the very best dungeon masters on this plane of existence. I want to start off by thanking everyone who's been listening and supporting the show so far. It started off as a small idea and it's really blossomed into something special. And I want to express my gratitude for that. It would mean a lot to me if you would go leave a review of the show on Apple Podcasts or Podchase or Good Pods and let me know what you think about it. I love to hear your feedback and this will help other people find the show too so they can share the awesome stories and advice we get each week. It would also mean a lot if you would share the show with one of your friends or family members who play games with you or who you know love TTRPGs too. Thanks again. You're all amazing and I hope you know how much I appreciate each of you. Now, on to our guest. This episode's guest is Jake, DM for the Actual Play podcast, Here for the Rolls. Jake's show is midway through its second season and going strong. His table is full of experienced theater performers, which leads to an incredible quality of roleplay and improv that's bound to make you chuckle and cheer. Jake focuses on pacing a lot in his games, and he gives advice about how to improve that piece in your game, as well as the pros and cons of running pre-written adventures versus the flexibility and effort of homebrew. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. I'm Jake. Uh, I'm the Dungeon Master on a little podcast called Here for the Rolls. We are a Utah-based D&D podcast that delivers hard-hitting pulse pounding stories that just grab you and never let go okay that was me plugging the podcast um, that was very good <laughs> thank you uh no i i hope that it, it makes you feel all those things D has been an amazing way to to bring my group together i'll get more into that in a little bit but as far as myself i started playing D, &D um like many do when i was a, a wee lad of seven or eight uh, i had a good friend um who would invite me to his epic D, D nights where they would play all through the night and i had a fighter mage uh his name was relic ergo but spelled backwards it was ogre killer and i thought it was the most clever thing in the whole world um, <laughs> that's, that's really cute actually <laughs> thank you thank you i'm glad you think it's cute the crazy thing about it is uh he still has the character sheet uh and this we're talking like 1999 maybe 2000 like and he still has that character sheet it is it's great he actually guested on our podcast in the he's done it twice but anyways before i go down that rabbit hole i i didn't play D, &D again for quite a long time he and i kind of went separate ways in life and not that we weren't still friends but um we just didn't talk or hang out for a lot of years and then 20 2018 hit and a friend group invited me and my fiance to come and be in this campaign and we're like wow yeah let's play some D, D. it's been freaking forever like i played like 3e or something is what i played and and so it was 5e now uh, i rolled up a wizard in our second session of the campaign he was killed by a gnome with a knife the dm was ruthless did he have was, six hit points uh he probably six or seven yeah yeah, yeah. he was he was stabbed in the back but i actually it was a very cinematic moment and I respected the DM for it. And that's how I knew I was like, all right, I'm, I'm, I think I'm meant to do this DMing thing. 
Um, so I rolled up another wizard. It was his son, a lot younger. The other one was like a bumbling old wizard, which is like one of my favorite archetypes. And that wizard lasted the whole campaign and I had a great time. And afterwards, I immediately started like watching YouTube videos, uh, learning how to DM, reading stuff. I got the, the DM guide and just started teaching myself things. And I'm already a pretty big writer. I love writing, making films, making music. I love just creating. And so I, I started going to Starbucks like every Saturday, like hipster cliche. And I would bring my headphones, my laptop, and I just started banging out a huge homebrew setting campaign world. And after a few months, it was ready to rock. And so I was so excited about it that I just that I wanted to make a podcast out of it. And I got my fiance, my dad, and our two wonderful best friends, um, Jake and Nate. And we all were super passionate about the idea. And we we did it. We, yeah, we started a podcast and we told the story of Salia. And that was our first season of Here for the Rolls. So that one campaign in 2018 got me massively hooked and like lifestyled into D D. So that was that was a long-winded answer. But you know, these things they're they're complex and and uh, and beautiful, you know, when D D comes into our lives. It is, it is very much so that way. So do you remember your very first DMing experience? Was it a homebrew? Was it a pre-written adventure? Do you remember like the first session and how it went? Yeah. So it was technically not my first session one of Salia wasn't my first time DMing in that one campaign I told you about the DM let me kind of guest DM one of the sessions mm. and it, I made it the dumbest and weirdest idea ever but he went for it uh, the characters like ended up in a, a realm called the Pizzaverse and so they 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 fell into this weird like battle arena down in in the Pizzaverse and I bought I bought pizza and I used the pizza box as like the battle mat Everyone thought it was pretty, you know, mixed reviews. Some were like, wow, this is dumb. <laughs> and then some people were like, this is freaking awesome. So, it, you know, it was my first time. We were, we, were trying, we were trying something and maybe it paid off. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. It wasn't recorded. So, yeah, that was my first time. My, my, the first session of Salia hopefully is a lot better than that. But I, even from then to now, it's like, oh, my gosh, I am so much, so much better than I was when I started <laughs> So Salia was your second time then? Yeah, Salia episode one was my second session ever DMing. And then wow. Sal- when they're to- when they're meeting that uh I forget his name, but he's 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 kind of like the commander of the military, the local military. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Commander yeah. Zarius. Yeah, Jack yep. Zarius. Yep. That's his name. The reporting for duty episode where everybody yep. enlists in the, with the Salian militant and goes to help them in their uh with their problem with the the platinum mines that the drow have overrun kind of That's a classic right. D start but i love kind of the classic D flavor and while i like to branch off from that pretty dramatically it's, i think it provides for a nice starting point like there's a reason why everyone wants to start in a tavern you know so like nostalgic and like there's just yeah. some things about D that it's fun to stay within those tropes a little bit sometimes totally totally yeah. well that's impressive that that was your second official game DMing then I've talked to a couple of people now that were like, okay, I'm going to start DMing and I'm going to record a podcast. And it it's admirable that you would take a leap like that because that's certainly something that I never considered and, and probably mm. wouldn't do now. So it's, yeah. it's awesome that you, uh, you're out there creating that stuff for us. Oh, uh, I'm glad. Yeah. I'm yeah. Glad you like it. 
So you talked about how your first time playing in recent memory, you said, oh yeah, DMing is something I want to do. What about mm-hmm. your background and your experience do you feel like has lent to your skills as a DM and lent to your, your penchant for being one? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, like I said, I already liked to write and make films. I've been um, filmmaking and video creating has been kind of like my thing since I was uh, like 12 years old and now it's my career. Uh, so I've always loved like just telling stories and I love video games and I love the arching huge stories in video games and and I just love to create stuff. And so I was like, if I'm going to write this, put all this time into running this campaign and writing it and and just all the energy and work that it's going to take, like might as well record it and like make it into a thing. Like, and I think that's kind of where a lot of podcasts, D&D podcasts start is like D&D as it is just has like, there's a lot to it. And there's a lot of, it takes dedication and, and work to make it good. And so people want to make something out of that work, I think, and have a product and a, an item that, that will last that they can go back and revisit. Like that's yeah. my whole excited thing about having recorded these is like, yes, if some people watch them or listen to them, watch them, great. But if not a lot of people listen, like that's fine. At least we will have this to like listen back to years from now and just have it be like one of the greatest memories of our lives. You know what I mean? So just creating yeah. like a lasting the lasting thing that you can keep is like, I think the biggest appeal to it. That's cool. Yeah. I've, I haven't uh, heard someone put it in exactly those words. And uh, I, I definitely see that that's, I guess there are some sessions of my games where I wish that they were recorded so I could go back and enjoy them again. So um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Who do you consider your DM influences and role models? You said you watched a bunch of YouTube videos and read a bunch of stuff. So are there, are there people who have really influenced your style? Yeah, so there's a guy named Matt Colville. Uh, I don't know if you've watched his videos, but oh, yeah. his classes are so good. Uh, I watched like a ton of his videos to prep for, for DMing. But other than that, Brian Murphy from NADPOD, not another D&D podcast. Listening to them is kind of how like I taught myself like the cadence and the, the rhythm of DMing. I feel like he and I have very similar styles. So yeah, those two would be the biggest, Matt Colville and Brian Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. I like that you mentioned cadence of DMing because I feel like that's something that not a lot of people talk about, but is a big part of it, right? Is making sure that there's a flow to things and that you're always ready to give them the next plot beat or, you know, change things so that they continue to move along, um, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever adventure they're in. So, yeah, it's definitely a skill Mm -hmm. and it definitely takes a lot of practice to get there. But, listening to other people dm is probably how i learned that the best also if i were to say the number one most important thing for a dm to consider is pacing i think that is the most important thing to like a successful and fun and memorable dnd game i have sat i've been a player you know multiple times and some people like the style where you you're in this the same town just exploring every nook and cranny of every single possibility in this town talking to every npc and they're in this same town for 10 sessions right some people love that because it makes it feel really huge and immersive for them however my style is i like to have the overarching story uh and i like to move that along in a pace and and make the overarching story beats hit harder than rather than spending a bunch of episodes searching one town does that make any sense like yeah it does i love to get 
to the climax of the story and feel that rising action and like uh, have the twists happen. And um, I think that if you if you can do that successfully, your players are gonna stick around. And like I feel so lucky that my group we've stayed together for almost three years now, playing like almost weekly. And so they they love it. And I I kind of go by what I read their energy and see like if they're getting a little bit bored, I'll be like, okay, hey, speed things up. Or if they're like, oh my gosh, we've done a lot lately. Let's just have an episode where we slow down and just do some goof, goofy role play. It's it's an ebb and flow for sure. But pacing, man, I'm telling you, you want to, if you want to be a good DM, keep that in, keep that in mind. Not that I'm an expert, but it's my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think pacing is a big part of making a compelling podcast too, right? If you are going to record 10 episodes <laughs> of you just talking to random NPCs. I, I doubt a lot of people are going to, you know, finish that that podcast, right? They're probably not going to listen to it. But if you have interesting mm-hmm. stuff happening and, and the story is constantly changing and the stakes are raising, then they're more likely to be interested. That's also my opinion. Again, not an expert podcaster, but, you know, here we are talking about stuff. So Yeah, I mean, we've got our experiences and what works yeah. for us. And so that's kind of what, what it comes down to. It's uh, it's kind of crazy too with D and D because sessions are long, <laughs> like they just are. At least the way that I like to tell stories. What are some of the worst mistakes you have made as a DM, and then what lessons did you learn from those mistakes that other people can incorporate into their own games? So I have a couple. Number one is if the players break your expectations and completely even like put the finger in your face for something that you try to do, like not that extreme, but like. If they just destroy a plan that you had, don't get mad. I've had a couple of sessions where I was just learning where I had this super cool vision in my head for how it was going to go. And then they made it go a different way. And I didn't like that way nearly as much. But And I, I, I got kind of frustrated about it. So I think just like roll with the punches. Enjoy the improv aspect. Enjoy the fact that things could change. And just like, even if it's not exactly how you wanted, like as long as everybody had fun, and had a memory and a story to tell from the session, I think it's a successful session. And that leads me into my second one, which is, I think, always put the spirit of the game over the word of the rules, which is like a quote by the creator of D&D, Gary Gygax. Don't get so caught up in the numbers and the roles and making everything exact, like measuring everything to the inch if your players want to do some weird crazy stuff and it's just funny and you guys are laughing about it just like let them do it try to always make the funnest most entertaining session not and don't be so worried if the if the rules are to the t i think those are those are the two pitfalls that i've i've kind of learned to avoid it's classic dming mistake 101 right is is the uh i have written this thing that is going to be very fun and you all need to make the exact decisions that i have planned to make it happen uh yeah, you got to learn that that's just not gonna happen every time it's yeah, it's yeah. just not <laughs> yeah it won't sometimes players come up with things that are way better than i planned and that's really the magic right yep it's it's a collaborative storytelling effort What is one of your favorite monsters or encounters that you've used to challenge your players so far? Oh, that's a good question. Spoiler alert for here for the roles if you're going to listen. There's a battle where they come in contact with an elder brain, which is like the huge hive mind of the mind flayers. And that ends up being a big part of the story at the end. 
And I set up this mechanic where the brain was in this weird like force field thing. And there was four pillars around the room and two of the pillars had red crystals on top. Two of the crystals had green and the force field would swap from red to green. And so the players had to figure out like, like each turn it would swap. Uh, it was like every couple of turns. And so they had to like figure out the timing of hitting both of the red crystals at the same time with two players or hitting two, and hitting two of the green and the stress of this thing, like breeding more mind flares while they're trying to do that and like doing weird like telekinetic blasts in their mind created just this crazy stressful really fun dynamic and i was really proud of that proud of that because i because i just kind of wrote it up from scratch so that was yeah that was cool but the thing is is like they were level 20 at the time and they still kind of trounced the fight (laughs) like (laughs) it's so like players get so strong when they get to that level like they're gods it's hard pressed to keep it balanced without it being a five-hour combat, you know? Right. You could, like, try to get them down to single-digit hit points apiece, but at what cost? At what cost? At, at me slogging the fight out for a long time. I try and do my best to make it challenging, but at the other, you know, at the same time, they're all, like, really good players, and they work really well as a team, and they, they just know how to keep each other up, and they keep each other buffed and supported and healed, and it's just hard to com- compete with that. I'm just like, these guys know what they're doing. They're heroes. They're just slaying the monsters, and I'm like, as a DM, you kind of just, you sometimes want to like really throw down, but it's a balance, you know? What's one of your favorite memories of improv in one of your games where you just totally had to make someone or something or some situation up off the cuff because your players took a left turn you weren't expecting? A very recent example in season two, our Descent into Avernus campaign. The players come to having to descend from the city of El Terrell, which is floating up in the air on the first level of hell. It's floating over this river. It's called the River Styx. And below the city, which is anchored by chains, there's this huge war going on between demons and devils. Just massive, like huge catapults and like huge demons and swarms of of devils fighting each other as they pour out of this river. They had to figure out a way to get down from El Terrell, from the city, to to get down to the level of hell because that's where their objectives were leading them. And... They made a pretty easy job of that. Our sorcerer cast Featherfall on everybody and they just floated down and it was great. And nobody had to make a single dex check or strength check or anything. Classic um, Izzy. Yep, Isidore. She's she's a sharp one, that gal. But yeah, so they 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 got to the ground and this huge war was like happening like a football field away, right? They could have just kept going and like not drawn attention to themselves but our beautiful centaur barbarian kenneth uh something came over him and just everything in his power he had to charge into that fight and while i respect him for just you know going for it and playing his character i was not ready for that (laughs) at all and i was like you're dead like there's nothing I can do about it, dude. Like, you are dead because there's a pit fiend. Like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with pit fiends in the monster manual, but it's like a challenge rating of 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and these guys are level six at the time. He's by himself. There's like a swarms. And the book literally said, like, if, if the players get the attention of the pit fiend, she sends 12 spined devils to, to swarm them. And so he like immediately goes down 
uh, just gets stabbed out repeatedly. Um, and <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, he's what am I like? I can't as a DM. You have a temptation to just be like, give them an out, but at the but you can't. You got like you got to make the world feel like it has consequences, or else nothing has stakes and nothing gets intense. You know what I mean? And so. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'm like, okay, kind of accepted it. He was going to die. And then his friend, our, our other player, Galleon, he charged in as well to save him. And I'm like, oh, you, you're dead too. Okay, you, all right, guys. And so I had to just give them the fairest shot to get out. But like, there wasn't much of a shot. I was like, if you roll really well, you can get out of this. But like, they weren't. And then finally, the only thing that got him out of it, like, so I had to improv this whole combat and this whole like crazy it's like 12 devils and a pit fiend and just like out of nowhere just was not expecting it to happen but he got out because he luckily had an invisibility potion in his pocket that he'd been saving and it got him out it's even even with that it wasn't easy like even with that it was insane because he still had to pick up galleon and get him back as well (laughs) and so just absolute shenanigans craziness no player deaths but there there sure could have been you still have to yep. like keep it brief for the podcast and like there's a <laughs> yeah. lot there's a lot to it man your show here for the roles how is it going right now for you all and where do you see it going in the future it started pretty mellow like you would expect like it, it's not like it's been very slow growth uh, there's a lot of D&D podcasts <laughs> and trying to stand out in that space is for anybody that's done one knows that it's it's not easy put a lot of money into the marketing, a lot of time and effort into just marketing this thing. But it's been so fun that that it's been worth kind of slogging through the slow growth. We've we've had a few really dedicated fans, a few like people that just like really, really love it and listen to everything and participate in like all of our stuff. And so even just having a few of those like makes it super worth it. Just knowing that somebody's listening to it. Our numbers are, they're they're getting better, but it's nothing crazy. We get on average, maybe like 40 downloads a day. The thing is, is if you go into this hoping for like thousands and thousands of listeners, like right from the get go, like you're going to be disappointed because there's already so many juggernauts in this space. But that being said, if you you like anything, if you stick with it, there's a chance that it's going to do better and take off and so we're sticking with it and in the future we've already got some plans for a season three and four mainly be just because our group just gets excited about the next campaign they want to run and so yeah uh and the next character they want to play that's what they that's what we all really we always are like making characters on hero forge and stuff like all of us D fans so yeah like for the time being we're not planning on stopping anytime soon I think our our goal is to just reassess after each season and see how we're all feeling about it and how like what could we do better, what could we change, what will make it more fun for us. But if it wasn't fun for us, we wouldn't have done it this long. And it's a lot of work to edit and and do the marketing too. So like if we weren't having fun, I would just be like, no, I'm not doing this. But we're having a blast. And our camp, we I really do think we put out a pretty good product. I, you, you all can listen for yourself and be the judge, but we we try to make a pretty high production value show. Yeah, I was gonna say I think the the editing and then the voice acting has all been pretty good so far. I've I've been pretty impressed. I think that the the character voices are always really I don't know. That's probably my favorite part, just because I love doing voices too. I love to hear what voices people think of. So the yeah, the Minnesota accent um, and 
you know, all the other <laughs> accents you had on the last show and, and uh, the accents on this uh, season have all been really fun to listen to also. Yeah, we got, well, we all come from theater backgrounds, except for my dad. He's the only one that didn't. And so everybody's used to being an actor a little bit and making films and doing that and playing characters. So that helped. Yeah. And it makes for really good D&D when you have a bunch of people with acting experience because they are so comfortable with just like diving into the role play right from yeah. the get go. And it makes that, it makes it very easier as a DM. You know what I mean? To when, when your players are super into it, like just to like, it helps you get more immersed as well. Yeah. And you don't have to kind of carry the burden of the role play yourself. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think the DM has a huge role in setting the tone and giving the players uh, permission to, to go to those places you know, it's, but, but yeah, when it's, when it's everybody working together, it makes for a much, much more fun experience. Your first campaign was a hundred percent homebrew. And now the season two you're playing through, you've mentioned already descent into Avernus. So what have you liked and disliked about each method of telling a story? You know, one hundred percent you, and then the other playing the module out of the book. Right off the bat, I can tell you that running a pre-written module for season two was me giving myself a break from writing uh, season one, which was 100% homebrew. I went back through my Google Docs and I did a word count for yeah. every every episode, which uh, season one ended up being 54, 54 sessions. And I wrote over 90,000 words for it. Oh my gosh. And so I was like writing at work. Like I was like writing every day, uh, all the time to try to make it awesome and keep it up every week. And so it was a lot of work. That being said, it was so worth it. Like having a world that I created myself and seeing how immersed and like uh, how the players brought it to life was just so gratifying and like made it worth all the work. Uh, so I homebrew is like my favorite. I, I think making your own story, there's nothing like it. But yeah, it's hard. And it yeah, it's it's a time dedication. So so running season two has been really nice because I've had everything laid out for me in a book, right? Um, I've just been able to to kind of just follow an adventure. And you still have to make it your own a lot in these pre-written modules because they are really just like baselines and guides. It's still up to you to tell the story. But but it's been nice to not have to write so much. And I still write, but not nearly as much. And also I like their writing. Like I like to just, I think I learn more about D&D storytelling by like reading what they've come up with, Wizards of the Coast. Mm -hmm. They're really good writers um, for the most part. And they, they do a good job of, of telling really cool D&D stories. Um, so it's just fun to explore that world as well. Yeah. Kind of change of pace too, you know. For sure. So you mentioned 90,000 words that you have written. Just for everyone's reference, an average adult fiction novel is 70,000 to 120,000 words. So you basically wrote a book. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I've made I made the the same connection and I because of that, I've actually I've thought about writing a novel in the world that we created. Yeah, so maybe that'll happen. I it's kind of one of those <laughs> those dreams that I've got floating around my head that I might do one day. Cool. Yeah. So you mentioned plans for seasons three and four. Do you know what you do for those? Do you have an idea, whether it be homebrew or modules? Yeah. So right now the plan is for season three, uh, I'm thinking of taking the season off from DMing, mm. which is a little crazy. And we're thinking that Trent 
who is the other another cast member on the podcast plays little brisket and galleon gray uh will step into the dm seat so that it can give me time and energy to write the second season of our homebrew the continuation of the salia world that and it would just be a really fun pace for me to play a character and like be on the other side for a minute so we're thinking about doing that for season three we don't know what adventure yet he wants to run there's a new one coming out called wild beyond the witch light it's a fey wild based adventure that's coming out soon and he really wants to run that so that's that might be what we do but yeah i've already got my character in mind i've already got my my hero forge guy made so like i'm kind of (laughs) kind of getting pumped i'm thinking of doing an artificer um an alchemy subclass artificer and i think it would be so fun yeah that's that was one thing that was glaringly missing from the basic rules in the in the player's handbook i was like so all these potions exist but like who who makes them you know there's no class that like has that ability so i'm interested to see how you flavor it it should be fun alchemists yeah oh it's gonna be really fun some of the abilities are just so useful and cool like he you can make him a really good healer which is probably what i'll do but there's also some incredible like offensive stuff you make like acid bombs and stuff like that you recorded 54 episodes for your first season and now you're into season two how did your experiences in your first season influence how you approached the second season as far as recording and planning and that kind of thing i pre-roll initiative and make the initiative sheets for every combat before each session so i I know exactly like what monsters are going to be in the fight unless it's, you know, Ken charging into an unexpected war. And then <laughs> I write them all in the initiative sheet. I roll for them. So then when it comes to it, I can just take their initiatives, write them down. We can start combat. Um, I also pull up all the tabs for each like monster stat block and everything like on my phone. So I have all my tabs ready or my iPad. I think that's just standard DM stuff though. But you learn those things too as you go along. And then just I also started adding a lot more like voice effects and music cues and sound effects in the editing. That's one thing that I really try to make try to make better this season is is the whole listening experience, like the soundscape of it. Yeah, it's been really fun to listen to. Actually, I like the uh, the metal music that hits during combat and stuff. That's uh, that's always fun to listen to. Thanks. Yeah, that was kind of my my theme for season two is like heavy metal, just like rock anthems. Yeah. Electric guitars everywhere. Mad Max fits very well all right we're kind of winding down to the end here you already mentioned um one of your big tips for people is pacing and being able to read the game and help improve the uh way it's playing out so what are some of your other parting words of wisdom and encouragement to new and old dms alike as the wise sage wizard that i am without dming i will tell you no i don't know i i'm just trying my best here but (laughs) Um, oh, I, I, you, I was hoping you'd do the whole thing in that voice. Well, uh, the first thing you have to do is remember just to have a good time, okay? No, just for reals, the experience and the memories and the fun is what it's all about. Draw inspiration from the things that you love, from, from the fictions that you love. I draw from, you know, World of Warcraft, Final Fantasy, uh, Star Wars, like, you know, draw from your fandoms. Use those storytelling themes that you've loved growing up and and just becoming a fan of all this fantasy stuff. Use that as fuel for your inspiration on how to tell these stories because that's the reason we're DMing, right? Is we we freaking love fantasy stories. Don't worry about stealing. Like just 
every art and writing and everything is just like a shared big collaboration and just take draw from what you love and tell the coolest stories ever i don't know that's that's all i got really i wish i could have done that fully in the wizard voice but i i was i was getting too self-conscious i was like i do this all the time just in the podcast but then i was like oh no now i'm nervous <laughs> steal from the fandoms that you love yes never forget about them and oh never split the party so where can people find here for the roles and you on the internet sure yeah you find us at any major podcast platform apple podcast spotify google podcast stitcher just google here for the roles you can find us um we post all the time we do fun character profiles and memes and and all kinds of fun stuff on our instagram that's our primary method of social media communication with the world at underscore here for the roles but we're also starting to get involved in the tiktok scene and we are doing that at underscore here for the roles as well so Come join us, guys. Come come listen to the stories that we have weaved through the ages. And hopefully they can bring you some delicious entertainment on your commutes or whatever whatever else you're doing. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me, Jake. It's been fun to chat with someone who's local. Uh, I've had, you know, only one other guest who's within driving distance. Well, I guess a day's driving distance. So it's, uh, yeah, it's always fun to meet people who are in my own backyard who love the same things I do. I really appreciate you having me, man. It was fun to talk and, and just riff about D&D. Yeah, that's what it's all about. So, yeah, thanks for joining me. Take care, man. Yeah, you too. Thanks for listening to How Not to DM. Remember, if you're looking for some new dice, go to adventuredice.ca and use my code HN, the number 2DM, to get 10% off your order. If you've got a burning question for one of my past guests, or you want to find me on other social media platforms, head to my link tree, which is in my episode notes. My intro and outro music is by my good friend Torin, aka Mr. Tape. You can find his work on Spotify. He has some awesome house music that you can groove to while you're planning your next game. And, as always, until next time, roll some Nat 20s for me.